0: It's always good to hear you connect together, and especially this time of year, and just filled with joy. I, I have a confession as we move into a time of prayer that we had to make a decision, you know, they reach out to you from the newspaper to say, uh, you know, will you run an ad in the paper? And they showed a draft of all the different churches in our region that are promoting their New Year's services, or mean, their um, Christmas Eve services, and, and it just had that moment, just a moment where I thought, like, how are we going to compete it? And almost as those words came out of my mind, I, I remembered that, you know, what a privilege it is to join in a group of other people who are reaching, regardless of what church they are in our region, to reach those who don't have access to the gospel or haven't embraced the gospel. And so I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer this morning that we just pray that that God would use this. We know uh, that there's some CEOs out there, you know, Christmas and Easter onlys, right? Um, don't raise your hand if you're one of those, but we we know they exist. But But to be able to steward that this time of year, because we do come together to bring praise and glory to the God that deserves it. So will you join me as we bow our heads together in prayer, thanking the Lord for his goodness. Lord, I begin with the confession of how wrong that is to think about other churches in our region as anything but, especially those who who understand and preach the gospel, that we get to partner together with them for the sake of the gospel. I don't care what name is on the church that reaches an individual even if it's in this season in a special way with the truth of the gospel and we pray that you would do a work in our community we believe that medina and brunswick and strongsville that we desperately need hope in our world and i pray that at this time that we would be a people who have the, the ability to stand before you and to say, Lord, whatever it takes, would we pursue? Lord, we thank you for the privilege to fellowship together. We thank you for this community. And we ask, Lord, that we would be a community that continues to grow in its ability to bring glory and honor to you. We love you. We thank you for one another. We pray that you would continue to be blessed at Hope Church. And we ask that today as we turn our hearts to your word, that you would remind us of your truth, that you promise us that your word will not return void. And I pray in the midst of the familiarity of the stories that we tell this time of year, that there might be a time where we choose to stand back and to hear your voice in ways that maybe we've never done it before, because you've chosen to reveal yourself to us. And I pray, God, that you would be honored and glorified in this place. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I want to share with you, as we are in a season of mourning in our church, for so many individuals that have gone to be with the Lord. Now, remember when we talk about the, uh, the process of a believer who... Um, who goes through this transition from life to death that we like to think of it like a graduation, right? And our hearts are heavy for the Sobe family this week. Um, Today, we will be having a funeral service here. Um, The visiting calling hours will be at four o'clock, five o'clock. The funeral will be here for Bob Sobe, who went to be with the Lord a week and a half ago. And his family continues to request your prayer. And there's so many others here at Hope. And so we recognize that the Lord is good. We recognize that He's a source of hope for us, and even in the Advent season, we we use these words, right? That that we say, like like in Emmanuel, God. With us and, and there's a part of this that we all say, we want to make sure that in the midst of the glitz and the lights and the, the glitter, that we, we don't miss the story of Christ, right? But I want to remind you of a statistic that's very fascinating to me. And that is when we think about Jesus, that he was one amongst many that was born. Obviously, every person in the room was born at one time. And statistically, they tell us that they've done the math, they've crunched the numbers, and they have found that there are, this is this next slide, it's pretty interesting, that there have been 107 billion births. So if this ping pong ball represents a birth, they say that you could fill school buses with a ping pong ball and those buses would make up 18,000 buses. Now this is how many births that have taken place in the world since creation happened. And so we, we stand back and we say, one of those, now that, that, that would stretch from here to uh, Niagara Falls. That's how long that those buses would stretch. So you get this, this idea, this little thing. Why is it so significant that we focus in on the Lord Jesus Christ at this time of year? Well, the truth is, is that the Lord Jesus was spectacular. His birth was unique from every other birth that has ever been born because of the fact that the Lord Jesus was 100% God and also 100% man. And those two things combined together in the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ reminds us of something that is extremely important to us. It matters to us, whether you note it or not. That the Lord Jesus Christ was 100% God, Emmanuel, God with us. But this morning, as we start our series called Born, that we're going to focus in on Christ's born identity. That he in his 100% Godness was unique. But also in his 100% humanity, he gives us the opportunity for this thing that we call hope. There's A sense of us catching that this unique birth really didn't have that much to do with the manger. Although that part of the story is something that we focus in on. It was a a timely or untimely, I'm sorry, an untimely birth in some sense for Mary and Joseph. And we know the stories that surround the Lord Jesus being placed in the feeding trough for animals. Now there's some timely times to have babies and then there's some untimely ones, right? We had friends who they didn't quite time it well enough, and in their minivan, they, they had one of their children born. Now, now that's not good, right? I wonder if you have to note that in your Carfax, if uh, you know, that, that happened. Now, now, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we celebrate the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, that 2,000 years ago that he was born, and when he came, one of the things that's so essential for us to catch is that he came as the pre-existent one. The passage of scripture that I want to focus in with you this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. And, and this passage is so important because it, it says that though he was rich that he was in heaven. He was the pre incarnate one. He wasn't just invented at the point where he was born in in Bethlehem, but instead in the beginning, he was And at the point of the incarnation. What we see with the Lord Jesus Christ is it says literally that he became poor so that you and I might become rich. That's amazing news. And in his poverty, some of that might be what he says when he says, foxes have holes and birds have nests and the son of man has no place to lay his head. That's what Jesus said when he was with his disciples. Maybe it was about physical poverty, but in the full context of God's word, what we also understand is that when the Lord Jesus took on flesh, that he entered in to our reality of humanity that he entered into all of the good and all of the challenges that come with being a human being, fully man. So when it says he became poor so that by his poverty, we might become rich. The humanity of God is going to be essential in our ability to understand the atonement that Christ chose to seek and to save that which was lost. He's the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of man. He was our perfect sacrifice. But as we approach this, we have to accept, first of all, that it's the Lord's divinity that gives us hope, that he arrived, that he was the pre-incarnate one. So in Genesis, when it says, let us make man in our image The plural description there gives us this this image of the Lord Jesus Christ being preexistent. In the book of John, this is amazing. John always references the Lord in this unique way. He says, he calls him the word. Some of you have memorized this passage of scripture and it's really interesting. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word and the word was God. In the beginning was the word and the word was that phrase, the word is a description used by John as he's presenting an argument for the gospel in his gospel that he's saying, Jesus was there from the beginning. I heard a song one time where they said that that the creator became created, and it's actually not true. He actually had been there from the beginning. He was there. What we see in verse 14 in the same section is beautiful. It says, and the word became flesh That's him becoming the baby Jesus. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Notice that that grace and truth is the description of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as a baby, I want you to think of what we just saw from the Muniac family. Think about their son. You think about the Lord Jesus Christ, and there's attributes of a baby that are important for us to remember when we reflect on what the Lord Jesus Christ was in his humanity. So that baby is completely and entirely dependent on its parents. You know the, that, that song that we sing that says, no crying he made, uh, Jesus cried. Is that hard for you to picture? He cried because, I'll use this illustration. So so one of our girls, uh, we got bumped up to first class one time on a cross country flight. Now, some of you are just first class people all the way. Uh, that was unusual for the Brennans, okay? And, and we got bumped up to first class and um, I don't know how to say this any other way, but to say, that one of them screamed at the top of her lungs the entire flight. So, so picture for a moment that you're the guy who paid full price for your ticket and you're sitting next to us with screaming baby. Now, she was a baby. She was sick. She had an ear infection. We found out about it later. She was crying because that's how babies communicate, right? And so Jesus, when we think of his swaddling clothes, it's kind of hard, but he's swaddling clothes had to get changed that Jesus was fully human. You fast forward to his teenage years and you think of the Lord Jesus Christ where like, he, he was a teenager. He got a job. He, he went through the experiences of a teenager. He went through adolescence. It's amazing to think of him growing in stature. You know, in the notes, it says, like, he probably ticked off his parents a little bit. We get this glimpse in God's word where we see his parents. They're, they're looking for Jesus. You guys remember the story? They're looking for Jesus, and they're going, where is, where is he? And, and then they, they're searching all over, and there's this big caravan, and then they finally find him, and Jesus' response back is like, well, of course, I was about my father's business. Um, Any of you kids want to try that with your parents? It's probably not going to go over too well, right? But, but Jesus was fully human. and It is so important for us to understand that that humanity is what offers you and I hope. Because of the Lord Jesus Christ in his divinity, while he maintains both, called the hypostatic union, those two things combined together give us the ability to have the perfect lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus ate, Jesus slept, Jesus wept. As we talk about seasons of mourning in our church where we talk about people who we love that have gone to be with the Lord or that have left, I want to remind you of the shortest verse in the Bible. One of my favorite moments of the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ is when his friend Lazarus dies. That the Lord Jesus, we're told in the scripture, that he wept. Now that emotion of weeping gives us some insight into Jesus. Don't you love that image? That that here he he knows he's going to raise this guy from the dead. But, but the emotion of seeing his friends, his friend that had left, death was never the plan, that the Lord Jesus wept, and that was a part of his humanity. And so we recognize that, that, that Jesus experienced the things that we've experienced. He was a teenager. He, he had the same appetites that we do. Is that hard for you to picture that Jesus has appetites? The book of Hebrews puts it in a in a powerful way, where um, I'm going to read this in um, in first chapter four fifteen in the ESV. It says, "For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness." Now, picture the high priest, the, the religious person that's up on the that, that's behind the cur- that's that's distant, separate. We don't have a high priest that's separate from us, but one who, look at what it says in the text, in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. For some of us, we need to grow in our theology of temptation. That temptation, appetites do not define, they are not sin. The fact that we have appetites, and that we don't give in to them, says that we are no longer a slave to sin. So the Lord Jesus Christ was not a slave to sin. I'm, I grieve today. One thing I've noticed as a pastor more recently is that for some of us, we will say these statements basically saying, just kind of giving up. Like at, at one point I struggled with sin in my life, but, but if God made me with these appetites, or these, these, these desires that I have to embrace, No. The Lord Jesus Christ is crystal clear here. Though he was tempted in every way in his humanity, he was without sin. He experienced pain. He experienced exhaustion. Do you remember the time with Thomas after the Lord had resurrected that he wanted to poke and touch his scars, right? Like the Lord Jesus experienced the stuff in his job. He experienced the frustrations of things not always working perfectly. It, he had to eat and consume things. And I think for some reason, the divinity of Christ makes us imagine him. And there's, there's all these uh, videos and things that, that kind of portray Jesus as, as kind of able to just kind of miraculously meet his physical needs all the time. He was hungry. He lacked, he desired, he, he fed himself. He had to submit to his body and the needs of his body. He got exhausted. He fell asleep. He had scars. And I'm so encouraged by the fact that he did not give up. So the humanity of Christ really matters to us. Part of the reason why it really matters to us is the idea of the atonement. That, without his his humanity, he could not relate to us; he could not be the perfect sacrifice that takes away the sins of man, being fully human, he can truly understand us, and ultimately he can shepherd us, he can lead he knows the pain of losing a loved one, he knows the pain of loving and being betrayed, he knows the the, the struggle to survive. You, you guys, we don't even think about this in our culture, but I've shared with you in parts of Africa that I was in, they, they look at food like you and I look at gasoline in our tanks out of our cars, how many miles we can get out of it. They, they're so hungry. And the fact that, that Jesus grew up in a time period where, where resources were sparse and that he had to make these decisions based on his body and how much he could do, how he could live, ultimately, his humanity really matters to us. Jesus was tempted, he was persecuted. He tells us that he was poor, he was despised, he suffered physical pain, he bled, and his and he endured the sorrows of a lingering and cruel death. If you have your your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. We're going to read 14, 15, and then 17 through 18. And, and this, um, I'm gonna read it in the NIV today because I think it, it helps to clarify what, what um, the text is really saying. It says this, it says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil. Now, we're starting to talk here about the atonement. And he's, he's saying the work of the cross was made possible because Jesus wasn't a spirit being alone, that he wasn't Casper the friendly ghost, that he wasn't this, this being that was distant, but he physically walked on the earth. And he says in verse 15, and to free those, all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death, verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them fully human in every way, in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest, that image again of him being our high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he was able to help those who are being tempted. So why do you suffer when you're being tempted? Well, it's because you don't give in to the temptation. And the Lord Jesus experienced the temptations that we have. For some reason, I think when we think of the old days, we think, you know, we got real temptations today, right? Don't we we feel that way sometimes? But in those days, they had tremendous temptations. And the Lord Jesus was tempted, what we're told in the text, in every way that you and I have been, but he was without sin. So when we think of the incarnate one, flesh that came to earth to dwell on the earth, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, God, when we say Emmanuel, God with us, we have to accept that, like John the Baptist says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the perfect sacrifice that was given to us for the atonement to pay the price for our sins, Without him being 100% human, that whole thing doesn't work. Now, I want to illustrate it this way. So if I decided today after this, the service that I wanted to go buy a cup of coffee, bet you I could find one for, for 50 cents or I could probably find one for $7.50, right? You depend, depends on which venue. Let's say I go to Starbucks, right? So I go to get one of those $7.50 cup of coffees. And, and I go up to the counter, they give me my drink and I start to drink it and um so she asked me for my money and so um instead of getting out my my card or my phone or all the different ways that we can pay nowadays i just decide today i'm going to pay by singing a christmas carol for them so i jump up on the counter and i just billow out a christmas carol right like you guys are laughing because you've heard me sing right (laughs) but but it would be ludicrous right on our on our money it says legal tender, if you've noticed the, the words there. It, it's saying that this is valuable, this is, this is appropriate, this represents value. But the thing I'm saying this is just me saying I have my own value standards. I'm, I'm gonna pay for it, This that's silly, it would never work. And, and so if the Lord Jesus Christ was not 100% man, he could not be the sacrifice that cleanses of, us of our sins if he wasn't tempted in in every way, if he didn't have the opportunity to sin, if he wasn't given the opportunity to fall short, then ultimately he could not be the perfect atonement. But he didn't sin. He was 100% God. He didn't give in to temptation. He had victory over it. And that ought to encourage us. It ought to remind us that that through his experience, he can understand our painful experiences, and it can ultimately bring us tremendous joy. So only a full human being could be the source of our hope. Only a full human being. And this ought to shock us a bit. I like the way that David Mathis puts it. He says, Jesus was shockingly human. Not only does the Son of God have a full human body, but also a full human mind, a heart, and a will. Jesus took a human body to save our bodies. He took a human mind to save our minds. Without having man in his emotion, becoming man in his emotions, he could not have rescued our hearts. And without taking a human will, he could not have broken our wandering wills. In the words of Gregory of Nicaeus, he says this, that which he has not healed, not assumed, he has not healed. That which he has not assumed, he has not healed, referencing Christ. So Jesus became flesh. He dwelt among us. He becomes the opportunity for the perfect sacrifice that can take away the sin of man. So in his dependence, in his his becoming flesh, he provides us the opportunity that's shocking, but overwhelming. And it ought to lead us to sing praises to our king. It ought to put those carols back onto our lips. What we accept is that, is that, that even as the son of man came, this is a beautiful passage, Matthew 22:28. Even as the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to lay his life down as a ransom for many. We quote that passage often here, but that word ransom in the original Greek is a really important word. It is a word that describes the cost of a person who was a slave, who was their bill was paid in full to be set free. It meant that you had a writ that was written that says your, your what is is owed for your life is been paid in full and now you are set free the lord jesus because he became poor for our sake the lord jesus because he came to seek and to save that which was lost the lord jesus because he came to do this he laid down his life so that you and i could experience true life without his humanity he could not pay the penalty of our sins But because he was fully human, he can perfectly atone for our sins. There are some individuals who would deny the humanity of Christ. And I want to challenge you, church, in this time period where we reflect upon who Jesus was, that we accept the fact that Jesus was the incarnate God, 100% God, We're warned in scripture that if we deny the humanity of Christ, that it it questions our very understanding of Christ in general. And so I challenge you today to be encouraged, to be filled with hope because of the fact that we have a God who was 100% God and 100% man who dwelt among us. And not only dwelt, but that he was tempted in every way, like you and I are. He's experienced every pain that you've gone through, and yet he was without sin. So that today, you and I can say that he is our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. I hope that matters to you. I hope you recognize how important that is to our story when we celebrate the Lord that came to seek and to save that which was lost. Will you join me in prayer? Lord, we love you. And we thank you for this season that's chiseled out in our calendars every year to pause and reflect on Christ. And can't help but think of the words that we sing and and carols and so many people that have never entered into a personal relationship with you, declare these truths about you. And and I pray, Lord, today, that as we are surrounded by people who desperately need hope, that, that our hope is found in the beautiful advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, That he came to seek and to save that which was lost. The perfect sacrifice that takes away the sins of man. I pray that that hope would radiate. And ultimately it would find us being people who are truly filled with joy. We love you. We thank you for this morning. In Jesus name we pray. Amen.